Maybe don't know. Maybe don't. This time, 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 What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Chris Hampton. And this is Nate Drolet. And together we form Hawkeye Pierce and BJ Honeycutt. I've got nothing. Really? Hawkeye Pierce and BJ Honeycutt? Just trying to throw you an easy one. I, no, I'm looking around at your vinyls right now. I'm trying to... <laughs> oh, no, I got nothing. You won't find it in the vinyl. No. They were... Is that Charlie Brown Christmas, though? Uh, yes, it is. Nice. There's some great samples on there. <laughs> great piano samples. Solid. Um, they were the main characters, or two of the main characters on MASH. Okay. Which I assume was a little bit of a tactical place, and that's what we're talking about. So oh, I see what you did there. Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to, trying to make my duos fit the themes more mm-hmm. and more often here. Mm-hmm. In case you haven't realized and you want to stop missing duos at any given time. Oh, no, I have no intentions that's of that. A... <laughs> yeah. So we've done a bunch of talking about sport climbing tactics on episodes. Mm-hmm. And one of our most requested episodes is boulder projecting tactics. Yeah. And... Almost every time I've gotten this message, I've had to like look back through the podcast. Like, really? We haven't done this? Yeah. Because it seems so obvious that we would have, you know, we've both spent a large amount of time bouldering the last few years. Yeah. It's wonderful. For some reason, this hasn't come up. So today, that's what we're talking about. Boulder projecting tactics. And the list that we came up with is daunting. It's massive so we've decided to split this into two conversations Mm -hmm. one about all about climbing like the tactics that happen while you're climbing while you're working on the boulder from choosing a boulder to send attempts and beyond the other is more gear things that you want to consider having available um How would you explain some of the other tactics? Um, The things that aren't... I'm using a lot of air quotes over here you guys can't see. Yeah. Uh, All the things that can help you send harder that aren't specifically climbing. Yeah. But even that, that doesn't do a great job. Um, So you'll just have to listen to that one too. Yep. So... Actually, this is kind of a a question we've heard several times, how to choose a project. And when we're talking project here, we're talking something really hard for you. Mm -hmm. So not something you might send in three tries or or even in one session. Um, This is a project that's going to be really hard for you. Yeah. How do you choose a Boulder project? Um. Man, there's a lot of ways to go about it. So I guess it depends what level I'm looking for. Um, To me, I think with boulders, like a nice shorter term project length is like three to five sessions, Mm -hmm. much over five in that, you know, especially depending how often you can get to something, you know, if this is an outdoor climb and if you can only get there one day a week, five, like five sessions, that's a month. Right. So five might not sound like much when you compare it to trying something in the gym, but if it's outdoors and it's that situation, like a month is a long time, that's a bulk of your season. So I'll typically start with difficulty. You know, am I just looking to, am I looking to climb something of a similar level I've done before? And it's like, oh, this looks like a cool challenge. I'd like to do that. Maybe it's a little different from what I've done. And I think I can do it maybe in a few days. Mm -hmm. Um, Or maybe it's, hey, I want to try this. I think it's really hard. You know, so I'm going to search for that. 
So I'll typically start with what is in the area I'm going to be in. So let's say if I'm going to be around Chattanooga for a winter, then like or when that was where I was living, then I would say, okay, these are the like I climb at Little Rock City a lot. It's very close to me. So that's maybe where I'm going to have longer term projects where places like horse pens are further. That's going to be shorter term projects mm-hmm. and kind of pick as far as um, pick in that way so that I at least guarantee myself more time. So start with that with location and then I move on to man, what gets me excited? Yep. You know, and that for me, that's a really big one. Like what am I psyched on? You know, I'll pick a handful and then kind of whittle down from there to, okay, what's realistic? What can I find partners for? For me, that last one's really big. Like I've gone to try boulders, um, like Western gold is a good example. I didn't really have many plans to go try it, but I had a bunch of friends that I liked climbing with who were like, Hey, we're all going to go out. We're going to have a ton of pads. You want to come out? And I was like, fuck yeah, no question. Yeah. So immediately that jumped on to the front of the project list. Yep. Um, so yeah, those are kind of big decisions for me. Um, I also like, we'll pick style. Typically I like to choose styles for the season. Mm -hmm. So maybe one season I want to focus on crimping Mm. or being more powerful. Um, so yeah, those are some of my big considerations. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I think you covered it pretty well there. I think ultimately what it comes down to for me is how much do I want to invest in this project? So maybe even more than you know difficulty in terms of grade, I decide how much do I want to invest and that for me that includes the the driving there you know is it a, an area that's further away from me how many days weekends whatever am i going to be able to get there mm-hmm. um is it a style that i'm good at or not and if it's a style that i'm good at is it at a grade that i think i can do quickly if it's a style i'm bad at you know, I, I, I just weigh the pros and cons and figure out how much I'm willing to invest in that project. Um, and really that's, you know, that on top of what you said is, is how I choose it. And very much so it comes down to what am I psyched to do? Mm-hmm. You know, if I see a boulder I hadn't seen before, it might very well jump near the top of the list pretty damn quickly if it gets me really psyched hmm. yeah so yeah and you know since this is a tactics bot tactics episode we're going to talk a lot of nuts and bolts um, we're probably going to have a lot of little interjections um two other things i just thought of for picking projects mm-hmm. one is friends recommendations yeah totally and especially like you know there are enough guys i've climbed with and enough people who've climbed with me who if they tell me hey you need to go check out that boulder. Like I will trust their input and I'm like, cool, I'm on it. Yeah. So that'll jump things to the top of the list. And then something else I do whenever I'm in like the thick of a bouldering season is I like to pick typically a skin friendly problem and a skin unfriendly problem. Hmm. Um, I especially do this out in Waco. Waco, the skin unfriendly problems tend to find themselves. Yes. <laughs> so, so then I'll find problems that I'll find a second project that will let me pretty much recover my skin while climbing on it. Yep. So a good example was I was trying the Rhino and I was trying it at the same time as, I forget what it was, something was destroying my left pinky and the Rhino destroyed my right. Hmm. But other other than my right pinky, the Rhino was super skin friendly. Hmm. So I could just tape that one. I didn't touch my pinkies to the Rhino. So there you go. (laughs) So to everyone else out there, um, I like my pinkies. But that that worked well. So Rhino's compression on slopers. Yep. And other than one finger, it was great. Like I could go just shred on cramps, you know, as much as I wanted. When my skin got too bad, I could move to the Rhino. And so that was my skin recovery day project. Yep. And for me, that worked And sometimes your skin recovery needs a lot more time than just muscle recovery or being prepared to try hard on the project again. Absolutely. You know, you can wear wear a hole in your index finger on a little sharp, you know, nubbin on a cramp and 
you don't want to grab that hold again two days later. Yeah. No, it might take, you know, it might take you a week before it's completely healed and not going to immediately rip back open. Right. Um, and so in that case, it's good to have some other things, if not completely skin friendly, like I like slopers or pinches already. So, mm-hmm. you know, I might do two days of crimping to one day of slopers and pinches and that's just nice and fun. Yep. Um, but it doesn't have to be that. It can also just be, you know, you find things that don't mess up your skin in the same way. And that lets you get more high quality hard days in without digging yourself into these weird recovery holes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if it's like a trip that you're going on and you're trying to choose a project for that trip, then, then I do a lot of what's kind of the next step in our, our list, which is find beta videos, do recon. Mm-hmm. I'll just watch the like compilation videos of other people's trips and see what looks really cool, what looks like it fits my style, you know, and then I go down the rabbit hole of where is it? How do I get there? Is it this crazy long hike that I don't want to do over and over? Or That's is it a big one. Or is it in the backcountry where I can't get regularly or you know, what's the situation? Is it something I can go project when it suits me? Mm-hmm. Um, and and beta videos, I think, should, if it's a project, I think it should be part of everybody's repertoire. Absolutely. Know? We're not talking flash projects here, mm-hmm. you know. Obviously, if it's, if you're trying to on-site things, you don't maybe watch beta videos. Or if you're trying to, really work on your route reading skills. You don't go watch beta videos, but if it's a big project, you stand to learn quite a bit from watching someone climb it who can already do it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's going to speed up the whole process. Um, and there's a lot of things you can learn from beta videos as well. Yeah. Um, We could do whole episodes on every part of this process. Oh, absolutely. Like breaking down, I think just breaking down videos, that alone is like the whole recon process, I enjoy a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really like flashing boulders. So for me, this is something I really dig into. Um, yeah. But some other considerations when you're watching videos and doing recon is what is the landing like? Yep. That one's really important because this can, person need eight spotters there. Yeah. You can have a short boulder that can just eat pads, um, especially in areas with talus landings. Yeah. Like I in, climbed on one yesterday. Tiny roof, but I went back to my car twice to get more pads. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Little, you know, a six foot tall boulder might take five pads, yep. depending on how horrible the landing is. Or you can have really tall boulders that might only take, you know, two. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really important. Look and see what kind of pad setups people are using in the videos. What does the landing look like? Do they have spotters? Are there weird, are there weird spots that you might need to rehearse on a rope or something like that? Like, mm-hmm. are there dangerous spots? Um, figuring out <clears throat> how big the moves are, especially if you're, if you're a really tall person or a really short person, maybe trying to find different videos, um, for someone who suits your height Yeah, is really important. Yeah. And knowing a few of the people like, mm-hmm. you know, if like I, I like Alex Puccio's beta a lot of the times, Yeah, you know, so I very often try to find videos of her doing things. Yeah, And then another consideration brought up by the Alex Puccio videos is not to, not to look at a move and just go, oh, I don't have to worry about that. That move's really easy, mm-hmm. you know, pantage to the beta and just take that as a static thing. Don't, don't have an emotion over it yeah. because if you're watching Alex Puccio do a problem, it's going to look easy and then you're going to get there and it's going to destroy you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's happened to me more than once. <laughs> Thanks, Alex. Yep. Um, and it's, you know, can help to talk with people about these things. Yeah. Because I can't tell you how many times this has happened where I've watched video or just watched people on things. And man, I'll be like, no one has trouble on this third move, but I find it so hard. And then if you talk with people who've done the problem, they'll be like, oh, no, it's really hard. You I just, just had it super dialed. I had it super dialed. It's only the third move, so you just do it a ton of times. So by the time you send the boulder, it looks <clears throat> easy. Yeah. But it's incre- like that's the second hardest move. Yeah. Or something like or that. Or liter- like the boulder I showed you yet this today, the video I showed yeah. you. 
I was like, this first move, this is literally the only time I did the first move, mm-hmm. you know? But in the video, I was like, oh, is this like and before? I, just I don't went know. went to the top because that was the only time I did the move. Mm-hmm. Might be the case in the video. Looked really easy, but it's the only time they stuck it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, if it's like on Instagram or somewhere where you can reach out to the person, reach out, ask them details. You know, mm-hmm. what, what time of day was this? What year, what time of year was this? You know, how can I plan to make the most of trying this problem? What did you think of it? You know, things like that. Just get, get their opinions, get their beta. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Time of year, time of day, all these things, all really important. Yeah. Um, yeah. So beta recon, so videos, Instagram, um, looking at 8A or Mountain Project, anything like that. Yep. Um, yeah, oftentimes you can get some good info from the comments. You know, there's also some really bad info on there, but yeah. but you can get info about, you know, number of pads or the length of the approach or things like that mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah, so those things are all important. Also, if you're climbing with a, a partner who's not going to climb on that with you, figuring out what else is near there, yep. that's good for recon. Totally. Um, and then once you're at the boulder... You know, you're looking at the thing. It's time to warm up. What do you What do you do? First day, walk up to what you've chosen as your project. So, first off, um, I'm going to look at the holds, see what it is, what kind of moves there are. And if you're going to touch them, put chalk on your damn hands. Yes, chalk your hands. Um, especially if someone else is trying it, always chalk your hands before touching holds. Yeah, and brush afterward. Yes. There are rules. Um, (laughs) So yeah, let's say I walk up to it. Am I warm yet or no? Nope. Okay. Just dropped your pads. You want to see the project before you even warm up. Okay. So go over and immediately I'm going to see how it looks compared to my recon, especially if this is like Western Gold is a good example. That's like a 40 minute hike out. I hadn't seen it before the day I went out to it. And so I had seen a bunch of videos from different angles first thing I do when I got there is, you know, I'm looking at it, I'm saying, okay, this is taller than I thought it was, but maybe, but the landing was pretty good, except if I fall off the top. Okay. So I'm going to really want to know what I'm doing at the top. So I start walking around all different angles. I'm looking at this thing, trying to find as much information as I can. One of the people with us um, brought a rope. And so they dropped a rope down and we're like figuring out where, like, where's the top out? Cause it, it had rained. All the holds were like kind of washed off clean on the top. Right. So we're trying to make sure we know everything we can. Um, and I had video saved on my phone. So I'm opening that back up. I'm rewatching, seeing, okay, like they went a little further right at the top out than I would have thought. Stuff like that. Yeah, you can spend quite a bit of time looking at the boulder, IDing holds, figuring things out before you ever start to climb. Yeah. And I mean, in that... Like, that's super important. Um, like, that's going to save you a lot of time and a lot of effort later. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I've looked at it now, <laughs> kind of scoped it. I've got an idea for what kind of holds I'm going to u- be using, what kind of moves I'm going to be doing. So then as I'm warming Maybe up. Maybe even what kind of height you're going to be climbing at. And do you need to get, like, your highball head a little bit ready? Or? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that was a big one in Waco for me. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of tall, tall boulders. So if I knew, like when I was projecting Dark Age, I would go up C-Spot Run every day mm-hmm. um, bef- ahead of time, which also is the same finish. But, you know, I mean, you're climbing like 20 feet to the lip. And yep. just by doing that ahead of time, I was like, okay, like I'm set. Like my head is good to go for this. Yeah. Um, so that was a big part of my warm up. And then from there, I'm going to warm up for those types of holds, those types of moves. If there's a warm-up boulder around, I'm going to go climb on those things. Maybe make up a limits to help, like, if there's a specific type of shoulder move I'm going to do. Um, like when I was trying the shield, for instance, I would, like, I made up an eliminate on a V4 where I was doing, like, the same type of big shoulder cross move mm-hmm. um, that you do on that just so that I could get warm for that exact type of movement. Yep. Um, yeah, what about you? Like, you go up, you see it. Are there any other things you would do differently for warming up? Oh, I just I just get psyched and jump on. I don't even chalk up. <clears throat> no chalk, yeah. No, I same things. I I 
go through. I do a lot of preparation. For me, it is really important to warm up in a really specific way. Um, I climb a lot of compression boulders. It's really important for me to get my legs warmed up for compression boulders. Mm -hmm. So I'll do a lot of, like even on the warm-up boulders, I'll, I'll climb them using wide heel hooks or mm-hmm. big toe hooks or, yeah. you know, just trying to get my legs warm instead of the, the typical way to climb it. So maybe not a hand sequence eliminate, but I'm doing like foot eliminates so that I'm purposely getting my lower body ready to squeeze as hard as possible on compression boulders. Yeah, that's um, important. And yeah, I try to find holds that are going to be somewhat similar, get my, you know, just get everything ready to perform to the specifics of that project, whatever it is. And generally speaking, once I find a warm up that really works for a project, that's the warm up I do every time, hmm. you know, that I go to work on that project. I don't, I don't often do the, I want to climb something new every day before I warm up or before I jump on the project. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes that happens, but more often than not, I like the routine and I go do the same warm up, go to the project. I feel ready. I feel more prepared. There's okay. no, there's no surprises, mm-hmm. you know? So that's what works for me warming up. Lord. So you've warmed up. Now we're back at the boulder. What is the process from here? For me, it depends. Um, I'll often give like re-review it, watch video, and then give a flash attempt. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's something really hard, I may forego the flash attempt. Um, or if it's something that like I've already done the stand start of and I'm going back to try the sit start or something like that, I obviously can't flash it at that point, so I don't try to. Mm-hmm. Um, but day one on it, if I haven't, Touched it before, generally speaking, I'll, I'll give a flash attempt. Okay, cool. So. Nice. No, and I, I do the same. And one thing I have to say to people is take flash attempts seriously. Yep. Um, yeah, man. I, like I've done this and I've seen plenty of other people do this before where I, like in Waco, I was, uh, I went up to Le Schninkle, a bunch of friends were climbing on it and my buddy Tomer had been trying it. And he was like, Nate, you want beta? And I was like, yeah, of course. And so he gave me some beta and I kind of, I paid attention up through the crux and he was like, okay, and the top out's a little bit tricky, but you're going to do this. And in my mind, I wasn't planning for success. I was like, okay, well, I just need to worry about the crux. Like I'm going to get to that. Didn't pay enough attention, pull on to try and flash it, get through the whole roof. And I turn the lip and I'm on the lip of the boulder on a V4 exit Mm. and I hadn't paid enough attention. Like I knew roughly what he had said, but it was a little funny and I ended up falling off. And I was like, man, all I had to do was pay it, like pay close attention and take it seriously for yep. 20 more seconds, yep. you know, but I was like, uh, it's fine. I'm, you know, I'll be lucky. It would be amazing if I could do this in a day kind of thing. Right. In my mind, I was already saying like, oh, well, Tomer, you're coming back Saturday. Cool. I'll come back here Saturday with you. And I hadn't even tried it. Right. And then, you know, a few minutes later, I'm kicking myself because I'm like, well, you know, should have just taken it a little more seriously. Yeah, more times than one, I've surprised myself by a flash attempt. You yeah. know, just by feeling like, okay, I'm ready to try hard. Let's let's give it one all out attempt. You know, sometimes it ends first move. Like you pull off oh, the ground. Yeah, you, it does. Your ass hits the ground again, and flash attempt's over. Yeah. Um, but sometimes you surprise yourself, so it's it's worth seeing. Yeah. Regardless. Absolutely. Um. So yeah, same thing. Try a flash attempt. If it goes poorly, um, if it goes great, awesome, new project. Yep. Uh, if it goes poorly, then from there, I start working out individual moves. Yep. So generally, if I'm not doing them just in order from ground up, I like to work out kind of easiest to hardest. Um, and the reason I like doing this is sometimes it can feel really overwhelming if, let's say, the third and the fourth move are both really hard on you know a 15 move boulder problem and you're like fuck i can't even like do these two yeah well if move five through 15 aren't that bad yep then you can be like okay well that like i can do that link for sure 
And if I can make that link easy, all I have to do is the third and the fourth move together. Yep. Build, and, build some momentum. Yeah. And I think for <clears throat> projecting, building momentum, building confidence, and finding little wins, man, that's so important. Yeah. And another you know, good reason for working out the easy moves early on is that day two, day three, day four, I use those easy moves as a warm up yep. for the project. Mm-hmm. You know, so so that I've got them dialed, so that I'm ensuring I'm never going to fall there, and and so that I'm getting warmed up for the actual specific moves on the project. Absolutely. Yeah, I I'm a big fan of if I'm going out to a project, I like to top out if the top half is easier, or yep. even if just the top's easier, top it out every time before tr- giving red point goes. Yep. Um, it takes a little bit of energy, but man, it's so important to have that dialed. Yeah, to- absolutely, it is. What if you can't do a move? Well, then you start a, uh, you know, that's where the fun part begins. Mm. So you start. Just start working at it. Um, and that's something that, you know, that's where a lot of your skills and technique and everything starts to be applied. You know, learning, okay, how hard is this move? What are the different options I have? How many times do I try each option? Yeah. All these different things. Um, you know, and it's totally normal to have a move feel impossible and then five, six tries later, you're sticking it. Yeah. Some subtle shift. You know, a lot of times I've had a move that like, okay, this is the stopper move. Mm -hmm. If I'm, you know, I may never be able to do this move or I might stick it once. And then I find some subtle shift and I'm like, okay, this is no longer the crux. Yeah. Not even the hard move anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you, whenever you do hit a move, that's, let's say you hit a move that, you're just like, well, I feel like I can't do this move. Um, for me, step one is giving a, giving it a few tries, kind of just sinking my teeth into it, saying, okay, like, what is this about? You know, I'll give it a try and say, okay, maybe I'm not getting far enough. Mm-hmm. Well, like, what points of contact do I have? Is there something that would let me get more drive? Like, am I waiting my legs enough? Like, am I pulling with my low arm enough? You know, try that again okay, maybe that was better. Now I'm like starting to get to the hold, but I'm not slow enough. All right, like what's my body doing? Maybe I'll video from the side. See, am I sagging out? Am I staying tight? Does it, does the video look right? Like which, you know, when I'm doing it, does my body look like it's moving in a good way? Mm-hmm. Like, or is it maybe sagging or tilting to one way, one side? Am I falling away before I even get to the hold? Mm-hmm. You know, you just start working through these little bitty things. Um, yeah, and you kind of move step by step. Yeah, and I think, you know, using things like power spots to learn the move is super important. Mm-hmm. And frankly, an underutilized tactic, yes. I think. It's, it's so, I see it so rarely, and they can be so helpful. Um, so power spots, stacking pads to get to the difficult move. Yep. Um, Anything you can do to save energy while you're working on that one single really hard for you move or sequence, whatever it is. Um, I think the the seven try rule that you've talked about is a good thing to apply here. And you know, it's if it's a if it's a project that you've taken time to choose, it's unlikely it's possible but it's unlikely that the answer is going to be i need to be stronger sure stronger is going to help it's going to help in all the cases Mm -hmm. but it's highly unlikely that you've gotten to the point where you feel like this is a realistic choice and you still need to get way stronger in order to do it it's more likely that you're missing something that there's something you could change, that there's something you're doing wrong that will, that when you do change will help make this move work. Um, so the seven try rule I think is important. You want to tell people what that is? Yeah. So with a seven try rule, whenever you find a move that's really hard, 
Um, the idea is that you should try it seven times before you pass any sort of judgment on it. So this means, you know, okay, I'm trying this hard move. Maybe I can barely pull off the ground my first attempt. Hey, that's fine. Like, you know, I'm going to rest a little bit, pull back on, try again. Maybe I'm getting a little bit higher this time. And keep doing that until seven goes. And it's funny, a lot of people who don't project are really surprised by this because they'll say, wow, you know, like, okay, seven tries. Um, and then by the time they get to the seventh try, typically they're sticking the hold or they're just very, right. very close. They're like, oh, right. like I thought it sounded ridiculous to throw myself at this seven times when, you know, I knew I wouldn't do it after one or two, but you know, then they're right there. Yep. Um, totally. So yeah, you give it seven tries and after seven, you can kind of make a, a new evaluation. Hey, did I get any closer? I'm like, if so, you know, keep trying. If, and that doesn't mean you have to keep trying right then and there. Like it could be another day or you can go try another move for a little while. Right. You know, give yourself a chance to recover from that specific type of movement and then come back to it later. And that's a tactic that I like a lot for, uh, for boulders with multiple hard moves. Yep. It's kind of try one for a little block, rest a bit, try another block and kind of keep circling around. And that way, you know, you're not just trying hard, crimpy, right hand shoulder move nonstop for an hour straight because that's what's going to kind of leave you a little bit more sore, might dig you in a hole, um, might feel a little bit more tweaky for you. Yep. Um, yep, totally. And a big thing with the seven go rule, kind of last thing I'll say on that is I find it's more important for experienced climbers to implement it more than new climbers because mm -hmm. new climbers, man, they are typically pretty fine with just throwing themselves They'll at just things. throw themselves, yeah. Yeah, they know things are going to be hard and they, they don't understand them. But if I work with someone who's been climbing 10 plus years, they have a pretty good feeling of what, or they believe they have a good feeling of what they can do. Right. So, so they'll, they'll short themselves. Oh, yeah. I mean, they'll just eye up moves from the ground and be like, oh, can't do that. You know, they may pull on, look up, drop off immediately, not even go for it. And they're yeah. like, no, like, I can't do that. And to them, like, they're an experienced climber, so they feel like that is a very valid feeling. Um, but I'm here to say it's not. Yep. Like, just, yeah, give it seven goes. Yeah, and you might surprise yourself. Um, and I think once you learn that you can still surprise yourself, then you're more willing to do it again. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's take a break, and we'll be right back. All right. Break. What's up, everybody? Chris here. I wanted to tell you about our two newest products designed to make you more efficient, more organized, and reduce your excuses. The first two major components of our essential elements line, the Crag Kit and the Boulder Bag. The Crag Kit's a collection of items that are a must-have for every climber. We filled it with a special skin file designed just for climbers, nail clippers and detail skin clippers that actually clip, as well as our circuit tape and necessary products from Tension and Rhino Skin. All in a water-resistant case, we've partnered with Soil to design with a built-in zippered mesh pocket and a removable mesh pouch. I won't even go climbing without mine. We designed the boulder bag, also in collaboration with Soil, to solve the problems created by shoving backpacks into your crash pad or strapping them to the outside. It's a messenger-style bag that unfolds like a saddlebag to lay flat in your crash pad. No more bumps, no more soft spots in your foam. We made it roomy enough for everything you need, but simple enough that you won't be tempted to take too much shit. Plus, it just looks sexy when you're going to the gym. Game changer. You can find these at powercompanyclimbing.com slash essential-elements or click on the link in your show notes in your pocket supercomputer. All right, back to the show. And we have returned. And at this point, we've done, we've done the moves, or at least tried the moves. Yes. This isn't necessarily a linear process. Mm -hmm. You can start this next step, which is links, before you've done all the moves. If there's a particularly hard, cruxy move, you might want to have all the links dialed in before you even, before you stick that move, you know, so that you're yeah. ready to go to the top when you do stick it. Yeah. Um, so links is next. 
we've talked about links at length. That was almost hard to say <laughs> with sport climbing. Mm-hmm. And while the basic rules still apply, I think it can, it can be a different thing bouldering because it's so much shorter, more compact. The moves are harder and the individual moves can really make a big difference as to the overall difficulty of the boulder. So, I mean, for instance, the, the boulder I did yesterday that I showed you a video of, I had done it from one move in already because I knew that that move was going to be the one. I had tried the move a few times, felt really hard. I wasn't warmed up and ready for it. So I tried all the other moves, learned the other only other move that was hard for me, figured out all the rest, did it from one move in. That way, when I did the first move, I was ready to go to the top. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, doing a link one move in sport climbing can sound really absurd. You know, mm-hmm. it's certainly been done. Oh, I was going to say, I've definitely <laughs> done it. Certainly been done by yeah. Nature LA. Um, but certainly not as regularly as it's done bouldering. Yeah. So you have to just shift your brain a little bit when you're thinking about links. Mm-hmm. Is there, is there any sort of kind of steps or checklist you go through with links on boulders? Um, I mean, I think over overlaps are important. Yep. Like first off, for sure, the top out. Um, I have long said and will say this forever. Uh, I don't believe in punting. Yeah. And I have punted, but I still don't believe in it. Uh, yeah. As you shouldn't. Um, always rehearse the end. And for me, I think it really depends on the problem, but whatever the link is that kind of scares me the most is the one I know I need to do. Mm-hmm. Like a good the one exam- you want to avoid. Yeah. The, like the one where you're like, Oh, well, I hope I can just do that from the ground. Like that's the one you need to do. Yeah. Um, and there, you know, there are times where there are plenty of boulders. I've only done the move once, like the crux move. And that is its own thing. But, um, there are a lot of times where, there's a link that you know you need to be able to do this in order to send the problem, but it's intimidating. Yep. So for me, that's the one I try and gun for. Like yep. a good example is on full service, uh, classic V10 in Waco. There's a really big move to a hold they called the football. And I was always falling, hitting that hold from the ground. Now I could lean in from a boulder, grab the football and go to the top, maybe like V5 or so, but going two moves below like doing all the set, the two setup moves to go for the football and taking it to the top. Yeah. To me, that was the intimidating link. Right. Like it took out maybe three or four challenging moves leading into it, but it was like, man, like that was hard. I was going to have to do the top out, which is pretty tall and committing. Like I was going to have to do it a little powered down and you know, I wasn't going to get victory points when I, uh, when I did it like, but when I did that, suddenly something shifted in my mind that, okay, like, I'm never going to fall off the top again. Like I did it from here. Like I'm going to be revved up when I get here from the bottom. Like that's it. Like we're good to go. Um, so for me, the big scary links are, or intimidating links. Yeah. Yeah. The same, very similar story with me on giving tree. You know, the, the season that I did it last spring, I was, I, I could do the stand start, which is a V8 mm-hmm. every time. Yeah. Pretty easily. You know, it was one of my warm up problems. And uh, from the sit, I could climb into the stand every single time. Yep. And I was falling on the first move of the stand. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a something mm-hmm. of a one mover. Yeah. It's a, it's a big giant move there. And I had not, even though I had tried it multiple times, done the link of two moves essentially one move into the stand, mm-hmm. two moves into the stand, I guess. I hadn't done that link at all. They're easy moves. Um, 
I I don't think I ever fell off those moves. That's not true. I did fall off those moves. But I had them dialed, mm-hmm. but I couldn't do the link. And when I finally did do that link, which I didn't put nearly enough focus on doing, it really gave me some momentum and some, you know, it made me sure that I could do the boulder. Like, okay, now I've done this big throw climbing into it and not just starting at that move, mm-hmm. you know? So so doing that link that I really didn't want to do, I wanted to avoid, gave me some momentum. Even if it was just mindset, it gave me the momentum. Yeah. You know, and another reason for doing the big intimidating links is that uh, it's a good way of stress testing your beta. Mm-hmm. Because there are a lot of moves that you can do individually um, and maybe you think your beta is working, but when you're trying to do this link, maybe you'll realize, oh, I didn't test this footwalk. Yeah. Like I did one move with my foot way out to the right and then I dropped and then I pulled on with my foot out already to the left and I did the next move. I need to figure that out. Or you might be doing it a really powerful way that feels great in isolation, but you're going to need to kind of dumb down some of those moves if you're yeah. going to do them on a link. Yeah, and I, you know, something you just said is kind of one of the overlooked parts of linking boulders, and that's the footwalks or the transitions between difficult moves. If you get caught up in, I just need to do this, I'll do this hard move and I'll do this hard move, you might miss the the transition between the two, which can be as simple as moving your feet once. Mm-hmm. but that can be the crux of a boulder. Yeah. You know, that for me, the hardest part of the giving tree is moving my feet and keeping the tension and moving into new positions, mm-hmm. not doing the moves themselves. Um, and that's what that link exploited. It was, it all revolved around moving into a new position where I could wait a foot. Um so make sure you're paying attention to those transition moves, the in-between parts between the hard moves. Um, don't skip over those when you're doing the links. Yeah. And uh, one another thing that this is very much like kind of a, a little more tactical, like on a micro sense, if you're working individual moves, sometimes those moves will be easier on link. Sure. Than they are by themselves. Yep. Um, hard to pull on in position, things like that. Totally. You're like already it, kind of pre-tensioned to yep. do moves. Yeah. Exactly. Like you build that requisite tension by doing the move into it or doing the footwalk into it. Um, so sometimes it's easier to go back a move and link in to try an individual move rather than just pulling on to try that move by itself. Yep. And that sounds counterintuitive, but um, I mean, you know, I've encountered hundreds of moves that- Oh yeah, same. I could never do by themselves just pulling on but if i do the move into it i'll do it you know fairly consistently yep absolutely so that's good beta that's something worth looking into um especially just with very core intensive or position intensive movements um it's hard to tell sometimes like you might not even realize you're doing it until you try a link Mm -hmm. and you're like oh well i haven't done that move i'm just going to try a link into it and you might even do the move on link and that's when you realize like oh I have to be in this position with this type of tension, you know, in this effort level as well. Yep. Um, to be able to do this type of move. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you just you just mentioned that when you're doing links, it might expose that your beta doesn't work as well as you thought it did when you mm-hmm. were just doing individual moves. And you know, that leads us into kind of this next step after you've got some overlapping links figured out and you feel like you might be ready to start trying to send, I think it's a good time to say, is my beta foolproof, you know? Am I setting myself up in every situation? Or did my link expose beta that isn't really working for me? And if it is, it's time to experiment with new beta, you know? Mm-hmm. Don't, just, don't just fall into the trap of sticking to the way you first did it. It, very often you'll find a better way if you explore and get creative. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, you know, from there, 
like we typically like, so let's say you've done links, you feel confident, um, and maybe in between these links. So let's say you were working on a Crocs move. And one thing you can do is you can work on that Crocs move. Maybe you haven't done it yet. You know, work on it for 15, 20 minutes and then go try some links for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Rest, maybe go <clears> back to the Crocs move. So you can kind of keep flipping back and forth. And ideally you'll kind of shore things up from both ends to where, you know, if the crux is really hard, maybe you will only stick it once. Like, and that happens. But if that's the case, like you want to have everything dialed so well that you just do the boulder. Yeah. And you know, that brings up something interesting. It's entirely possible and it happens all the time that maybe the links you do don't show up a beta problem. But as you gain more awareness, you start to feel more intuitive about, okay, this feels a little harder than it should or than I want it to, or maybe it feels a little lower percentage than I'm comfortable with knowing that I'll be powered down when I get here Mm -hmm. from the ground. So it's worth trying to rework beta, looking for efficiencies, refining these sequences at the end of really hard projects or at the beginning so that you arrive at the crux with more energy, you know, just to set yourself up for success. Mm -hmm. So don't just stick to the things that present themselves as a problem. Really try to think of it as a whole. And what are, what are you going to feel like when you get there, you know, or what do you need to feel like when you get to this spot and, and start to refine things? Yeah. Yeah. And so what does this process, what, would you do next in this process? <laughs> Frankly, I would probably be in this part of the process for far too long. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to refine things, make things easier. It's been one of my struggles over the last couple of years that I I think I've gotten way better at, uh, but still have a really long way to go, is learning when to try really hard and when to keep refining and dialing beta and changing beta and exploring new things. Mm -hmm. I think there are a lot of occasions where I could have sent had I tried harder, even though my beta wasn't perfect yet. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me now, I would default or I would try to default to let's move right into send attempts. Once I have the links, once I feel okay with my beta and let's try to turn the effort level up to where it needs to be. Um, just because I know what my normal, you know, disposition is and that's to keep dialing. Yeah, no. And I think that's really important. Um, and we have a couple of questions here and that was one of them. Um, but knowing when to stop searching for new beta and Aaron, when to just try hard, like this is something I think it's a spectrum that most people live somewhere on. Like I was climbing with Roland Chen uh, last year and I'm the same way. I love, like, I love hunting for new beta. I like finding new positions. Like sometimes I just get lost down that rabbit hole just cause it's, I find it really enjoyable. Yeah. Like I'm like, Oh, but what if I did this? How does that affect the next move? And at <laughs> one, like we were climbing together at one point he's like, man, you just need to pull the trigger. Yeah. And I did. And I linked like, completely through that full section. And I was just like, yeah, that wasn't great beta, but it got it done. Um, where, you know, with him, he like, he has had to air more on the opposite side of, Hey, take your time, like find the positions, um, you know, things like that. Um, so it's important to know where you sit on that spectrum. And I think for someone like us who can be guilty of just trying to beta dial things down forever, you know, maybe it's putting a limit on things like a time limit. Mm-hmm. We have a drill we really like called a uh, 10 minute takedowns yep. where you, this is typically in the gym, but you can do it outside too, but set a timer. You have 10 minutes to dial in everything like full tactics, anything you want, figure out this problem to the best of your ability. When the 10 minutes goes off, rest for a couple minutes and you get two attempts to try and send it. That's it. No more rehearsing moves, just, you know, rip it. Yeah. That's a good way to practice it in the gym or, you know, even out of boulders on 
more moderate things, you know, uh, low end mini projects, things like that. Um, and something that's helped me a lot is just trying to change my value system where I really value the idea of climbing something hard and making it look good, mm -hmm. you know, making it look like it wasn't hard. I've also learned to really value the idea of just absolute all out battle scrapping for the next move, Yeah, you know, and fighting and, it's it's very easy, and I see it a lot to give up when things go wrong on a really hard project. Mm -hmm. You know, just to uh, there's no way I can finish it if I'm making that many mistakes. Dropping off, yeah. But you'll surprise yourself if you can learn to battle and learn to value that battle. You yeah, know? I want to have every season. I want to have sins of both kinds where. I've had to dial it in. I've got it dialed in. I send, you know, this process that makes sense on paper. And then I want to have sends where I jump into the send attempt a little earlier than I maybe should have. And something goes wrong, but I make an intuitive decision and I fight for it and I somehow get through, you know, I want those sends too because yeah. it's a skill and I want, I want to collect all the skills. Yeah. And it, <laughs> I want them it's, all. It's really gratifying too. Like, you know, I've probably tried, I've tried so much harder on like V9s and V10s where I just put myself like, I was like, okay, I'm in the situation. Like I'm just going to go now. Yeah. Like, and just tried really hard to get it done versus like V11s or 12s where I took my time, really dialed it. Yeah. But you know, like a lot of those ones that I dialed, maybe I could have gotten them done earlier if I had that like V9 or 10 mindset of like, hey, just rip it. Yeah, totally. Um, and you see people like this all the time, like there are a couple like big tenants to climbing well. And I think confidence is one of them. Mm -hmm. And man, you can really overcome a lot of things with high levels of confidence. You sure as hell can. Like you can see people, it's like, well, they don't have a lot of technique and they're not the strongest, but I'll be damned if they just don't try really hard and every time they go for a hold, they look like they know they're going to grab it. Yep. And man, like those people can scrap up some pretty hard climbs with like lacking in a lot of departments. Yeah. So much of, of falling and I'm air quoting again here. So much of falling off boulders is jumping off, giving up, yeah. not being confident in the next move and committing to sticking the hold. You know, it's, there's a lot of half-assery goes on in in the boulder fields, yeah. Um, myself included, and mm -hmm. and it's just something I've learned to check myself on more and more. Like, give real attempts instead of give myself the chance to succeed. Yeah, you know, if you're if you half-ass a move, you're not giving yourself the chance to mm -hmm. do the boulder. I'm out there to give myself as many chances as possible. Yeah. So, okay, we're now into, we're giving red point goes. What does this process look like? Like, let's say you just gave a red point go, you fell on the crux. Um, crux is eight moves in, I don't know, on like a 15 move problem. Yeah, I'm gonna, regardless of where the crux is, I'm gonna ask, why did I fall? Mm -hmm. You know, was it, is it a situation where the crux is just hard? And, and I, you know, I just need more attempts from the start into the crux mm -hmm. or did that expose something in my beta that didn't work? You know, was there, was there something harder on that send attempt than I was finding on the links or on the individual moves and why, what about it was harder? You know, something about climbing into it, something about how much time I've spent under tension and things are starting to fall apart. You know, what is it? And I, I try to break that down and find a way to either make it more efficient or just remind myself, you've got the efficient way. You just need to give more effort there. Yeah. You know, put more behind it. Um, so I'll, I'll probably try it from the start quite a few times. You know, maybe the majority of that session, if I feel like, I've got enough of it figured out and I'm ready for these send attempts. Mm -hmm. I'll spend a lot of that session trying from the start. And then when I know 
I don't have enough left to do it from the start, then I might go and start refining some things to set myself up better for the next session. Okay. Cool. How about you? Um, you know, pretty similar. Uh, mostly in that, like, give it a red point effort. And it's the same, like, red point effort that's just, you know, the big link. Like, mm-hmm. but from there, it's, okay, how did that go? Like, try and even take little notes as I'm climbing. Like, if your if your foot placements weren't perfect, like, okay, I was moving fast and I'm 50-50 on that one going well. Like, okay, that was okay. Just keep kind of, like, you know, you're not dwelling on these things as you're climbing. Right. But just kind of letting it float to the back of your head, like, hey, yep. just take note. Little markers along the way. Yeah. And so, you know, when if I come, if I fall in the crux, first I say, like, okay, what happened? Like, did I, was I executing that move the way I wanted to? Did I start in the right position? Did I travel through the right path? Did I get into the end position I wanted? You know, and each of these mm-hmm. can kind of evolve in its own spider web of questions. Yep. Um, and then I look at, you know, how was the link before? Was there anything, how, like, how are my tactics right now? Have I been brushing the holds? Um, is my skin dry? Have I been resting long enough? That one's really important. Mm-hmm. I think between red, red point goes, you know, if you've got all day or if you've got hours, there's no reason, reason you should be resting less than five minutes. Yeah. Like and set a timer because most of us don't know what five minutes actually looks like. For sure. Um, so yeah, really just trying to make sure I'm utilizing everything I can. Um, what are some common things that you see in that process that you make little mental notes of that you have to go back? Are there, are there themes over the years uh, that yeah. you end up doing later in the process? Um, like small adjustments, like exactly where I'm hitting holds That's on. That's exactly um, what I was thinking about. Yeah. Like, am I hitting holds exactly where I want them to be? Um, especially leading up to the crux. Cause I climb, I like to climb fast. Mm-hmm. Like I just like moving quick and I'm a fan of if I can cover the distance in less time, I'm going to be better set for the crux. Um, so I might like, sometimes I might just say how, how many moves can I cut out while still being intelligent about it? But also I'll start looking at the holds and saying like, okay, this felt good. But as I move past, maybe like how do I actually want it when I'm past the hold? Can I grab it like that from below? Things like that. So really looking small details. So I, man, I get my face two inches away from footholds. Like I touch footholds with my finger. I poke them until I find exactly what I want. Like a lot of times the biggest part of a foothold is also the most polished. Mm -hmm. So is there a better, is there, you know, a slightly worse part, but with more friction right next to it? Like more often than not, that's where I'm stepping. Like, yep. Or just works better for your position. You know, it's yeah. a lot of people go straight for the big part. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Um, so I start looking more into these details. Um, I might be videoing myself at this point, yep. looking at that. Um, and with these red point goes, I'm, yeah, like I'm trying to pay attention overall. Hey, what's happening? Like, was that close? Do I, you know, just need to keep giving it more goes, working on my effort, you know, trying to dial in like the little things or do I need to make a big change? Like, am I just making a really, like, have I settled into bad beta and convinced myself that's the way? Yep. Yeah. One of the things I've found over the years, the two big ones for me are definitely how I'm grabbing the holds and making sure I'm hitting them in the right spot every time. Mm-hmm. Because I know that on, you know, something, a couple of grades under my max, I can I can grab the holds like an asshole and still do it. Yeah. You know, but I need to be more precise and faster with my precision. So that's a big one for me. And second is figuring out when to breathe Mm -hmm. has, has played a big part in climbing harder boulders for me. Like I need to hold my breath here. Here's where I take a deep breath. You know, here's where I let everything relax. Here's where I tension everything up and having that become part of my sequence a rehearsed part of my sequence helps me massively. Yeah. You know, and one little side thing on that is having a partner who can help you with that yeah. is huge. Like one thing that's fun in these mellow videos that are coming out, whenever uh, like Jimmy Webb and Ke- Keenan Takahashi are climbing together, 
like they yell cues at each other right frequently like it'll be hey hold your breath take a deep breath squeeze like squeeze with the legs like tension isolate all these different things yeah so they're helping each other like remember these you know one and two word cues yeah um and i think that's really huge and i mean a lot of times that's what it comes down to with projects is you know okay my body knows how to do 99% of this like i just need to focus on one thing yep and having a partner who can help you with that like you know reminding you take a breath like if you just link through the crux and you have like a hard red point crux in this boulder having a partner being like hey take a breath execute things like that like that can go a long way yeah. to kind of hit the reset button on your brain yeah and if you know what those things are if you've discovered those things throughout the process you know maybe it's that you're starting a move with your arms bent too much and you need to sag a little more to start the move but it's your natural reaction to keep your arms bent stay tensioned before you try the move have you know tell your partner when i get here just say sag mm -hmm. you know help help your partners know how to coach you yeah that's a big one yeah yeah no absolutely um and so resting, let's talk a little bit more about resting. I think in, um, nine out of 10 climbers make the same mistakes. Dave McLeod mentions one minute of rest per move, difficult move yeah. on a boulder. Um, is that something you go by in general? Man, when I was 16, that sounded like an eternity. Sure did. Now I'm like, mm, I could take two. <laughs> <laughs> you know i could take a nap <laughs> yeah. eat, a, uh, eat a sandwich you know ben moon uh before he sent his most recent 9a he uh went out and took a nap for hours i think yeah. he was just like out at the crag took mm -hmm. a nap came back sent yeah so it there's works. Some, something works for to old it. people especially <laughs> wasn't gonna go there but <laughs> yes um ben's not that much older than me so yeah. i can say that so you can say it and uh you know guest of the podcast yeah absolutely one of the only people to say we don't tweet, we scream like eagles. Oh, I know that's still one of my favorites. <laughs> Back on topic, um, rest. So with rest, there's a couple things I think that are really important. One, eat food. Mm -hmm. Like, man, climbers are so bad about this, but eat food during your session. Yeah. Like I normally break mine up. I'll have like a banana um, halfway through my session. But you can also like I love gummy snacks. Snapped in half. Snapped in half. Commit. Yeah. Um, oh, gummies are great. Yeah. That's a good one. I go twin snakes pretty frequently. No, dude. Bears are the only way. Bears. Uh, you got a brand? Um, we like the Haribo. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's where we go usually. Nice. Unless Haribo are not available, and then we slum it a little. <laughs> <clears throat> um, lately, my snack has been, and my breakfast and my lunch have been pizza i just i make a frozen pizza in the morning i pile it with vegetables and extra sauce and i'm so excited to eat it throughout the day that i can barely contain myself so so i love it and and it's the i've found it's the best way for me to keep snacking throughout my whole session to bring pizza bring sliced up pizza and several tupperwares and just eat a piece at a time yeah. every 30 minutes or so nice you know? yeah um regardless of what you bring man food's so important like that's yeah that's one huge. thing i feel like climbers could do better honestly in the gym too like mm -hmm. i've started packing a banana or just something like around 30 grams of carbs for me um to the gym every day so that's i think roughly two fistfuls of uh twin snakes but yeah. <laughs> twin snakes so don't listen to this eating food long rests time your rests uh, i actually learned timing your rests from ravioli biceps mm. when we used to climb in waco together he had a little uh you know like walmart watch clip to his uh chalk bucket every time he fell he'd start the timer mm. and it wasn't even so much that okay i have to pull back on in five minutes exactly but it was kind of like okay i'm feeling pretty like i'm feeling pretty good Maybe I'll go again looking down, you know, if it's only been 90 seconds. Right. Which happens. Yeah. Totally. Um, you know, it's like, oh, let's wait a few minutes. But, you know, it could be 
well, I'm nervous. I don't, am I ready? And you look down, it's been 15 minutes. You're like, I need to pull the trigger. Like, this is just nerves right now. This isn't actually me recovering probably. Yeah. And if you're on send goes, oftentimes I'll, I'll take my shoes off after one or two send goes. Oh yeah. You know, it's, it's tempting to just keep your shoes on and end up rapid firing, Mm -hmm. you know, over and over and over. Yeah. Um, but not the best tactic for sure. Yeah. Shoes off, down jacket on, down booties on, <laughs> brush your holds, you know, readjust uh, mm. crash pads if needed. They might have shifted. Do whatever you need. Kind of walk around, stay loose. Yeah. And I think that kind of maintenance is a great way to to end up resting mm-hmm. an appropriate amount of time. You know, be brushing holds, be videoing for somebody else, you know, shift pads around, move pads for someone trying another boulder, whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. do maintenance, be a good sport team. And that, that ends up forcing you to rest a little bit. Yeah. Oh. So, uh, you want to take a break and then come back with some kind of common questions that pop up in the, in the projecting process. Sounds great. The, the questions that are damn near impossible to answer unless you're us. Boom. All right, break. Break. Just kidding. We're not going to break here. Instead, we're going to wrap it up. We've got almost an hour left in this conversation after the break. So I will put this in a part two, which, if you're subscribed, is already right there in your pocket supercomputers waiting. If not, go find it and subscribe. We've also got a part three coming. This is a long conversation, it's complicated. I'm also going to leave you hanging. No no screaming, no eagles, no twittering, none of that. This isn't the end. Go to part two.